Hey guys, just a quick disclaimer before we get into today's episode. The medical information discussed in this podcast is for educational purposes only. The information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease. You are responsible for your own health decisions. Do not try any medical intervention or change without proper research and medical supervision. Any statements or claims about the possible health benefits conferred by any foods or supplements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any disease. And with that, let's get into it. It's a time in medicine, the era, whatever it is, but people are interested in alternatives for healthcare. They don't just want the pill. They don't want the quick fix. They actually want to fix this so that they know it's not going to be a lifetime of back pain. You know, it's not going to be a lifetime of dealing with this condition or this condition. I really want to get to the root cause. And rejuvenate is sort of a mixture of integrative medicine, functional medicine, and cellular health. <laughs> it's kind of its own little segment of medicine. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Saul Good Media Podcast, a podcast that explores the nature of human experience. I'm your host, Solomon Harvey, and each week we have a new guest on the show, and we talk to them about what it is that drives them to do what they do. What is it that gravitates each of us towards our passions? Today, I'm really excited to introduce Lisa Fortin, who is one of the founders of Rejuvenate which is a health clinic located right here in Petoskey, Michigan. Lisa has accumulated a wealth of knowledge and experience working in the medical industry for the past 12 plus years, and her story is fascinating. Today we'll talk about her journey and what ultimately led her to opening up her own clinic that is focused on a variety of services centered around health and well-being. Lisa, to kick it off, let's go back to the beginning. How did you first get involved with the medical industry in the first place? Yeah, my course is a little bit, um, I guess, atypical, and it really starts back in undergraduate. I think that all has a pertinent, um, you know, part in this. So I was um, an undergrad for biotechnology. Um, I really wanted to work in a crime lab. Um, I was really into science and forensics detective kind of work was really interesting to me and i wanted something that would keep my attention at all times um so i went through biotechnology and in those four years was learned that from a really young age or when you were in high school about in high school okay. and um i can do a shout out to mr clark my all science right. teacher shout for that one <laughs> um so yeah in high school I really cultivated this science path um went into biotechnology and learned just a ton about cell, the cellular health, um, how do cells function, all about the way that they replicate, the way that they repair themselves when there's a mistaken replication or there's damage from the environment, how do they repair, um, what happens as they age and become senescent cells, how cells interact with cells, and how the environment affects the, the cells. So, so breaking so, it down, the body and our environment to its most core level as a cell? Yes, yes. yeah. So biotechnology is all about, um, you know, just learning about actually us at a cellular level. Okay. Um, And with that, I can, you know, 
I know how to do gene editing, gene splicing, all of those things as well. So I um, really wanted to stay away from that aspect of it because I had a lot of concerns about that. But um, it was, it's, it's easy to do. And um, when I went finally to a state police crime lab to visit in my senior year, thought, whoa, this is actually not for me. <laughs> um, a lot of mundane, same work day to day. And although it's interesting from the outside, the people who are doing it um, might, you know, they, I'm sure they enjoy it, but that wasn't for me. So um, thought, wow, this is my senior year. I don't want to be in a lab doing bench work. I know how hard it is to get, um, you know, IRB approvals to get NIH funding. And I thought, I don't want somebody to be telling me what I can research by funding me for that rather than just being a free researcher. So, so what would be a typical A to B in that job? Like you're for you're, a researcher. Yeah. So eventually I would have um, escalated to a principal investigator, which means you're in charge of a lab. Okay. Um, you can sort of I could have had an interest maybe in UV radiation and how it affects DNA and repair, um, may say, but from there you have to get funding. So you're, it's a laborious job of applying for gotcha. grants and worrying about funding. Then when your funding runs out, you've got to either come up with a new project or find somebody who will still fund what you're already started. Otherwise, it just ends. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's very difficult, and I didn't like that side of it. And the, from the research side of it, not so much of showing up at the crime scene, collecting things correct. forensically. You were doing the. So what types of research were you doing right before you left? Um, so I did um, tabletop bench work, basically. So PCR, ELISA's, um, and then the gna or the dna sort of editing okay. um splicing okay. and uh, cutting out proteins and that sort of thing <laughs> okay but you decided to not take that path yeah so my senior year i decided that's not for me um and then i said i did pretty well in undergrad so i would go i i had a love of science and um, biology um and i also am a very empathetic person <laughs> so i have this caring kind of nurturing thing so i thought you know maybe medicine is for me then so it takes a year to apply to medical school, okay. which gave me a year off of schooling where I did um, neurosurgery research for a year at Henry Ford Hospital. Wow. So this was a great experience for me. I was truly doing bench work, <laughs> realizing I do not want to be writing the same thing every day in my laboratory book and performing the same um, you know, experiments day after day. I was really good at it, but that was not what I, that didn't pique my interest enough that I could have a lifelong career with this. But at the same time, because I was applying to medical school, the neurosurgeons and the neurologists I was working with really knew I was interested and sort of took me under their wing. So I got to go do some clinical consults with them, meet some patients that I had seen their imaging and their brain tumors. Um, the neatest thing was going into surgery with a neurosurgeon. Um, I was the one when they would wake people up during surgery to map out their motor strip and make sure we weren't going to give them a big dysfunction. Um, who would say, can you move your left arm? <laughs> you know, can you do this? Uh, so really an amazing experience for me then. And also um, learned about kind of the advanced technologies that we have to offer people. So back then they were doing um, stealth MRI, it's called, where they were putting a halo on, um, on the person while they were getting the MRI. And then during the surgery, they would put the same halo device on. And then we had sort of a little 
GPS probe, which would correlate the coordinates to the MRI of where the coordinates were truly in space. So you could look at the MRI and you would be heading down in the rain as you're moving this probe down. So there's the margin of the tumor. So we can see wow. right where it goes. So I thought this is just amazing. The imaging bit of it, the advanced bit of it, more and more that I ever expected to um, be exposed to in, in medicine. And so that was your own natural inclination to apply did you have some role models at that time or people that were for medicine maybe you should maybe you should try medicine or was that just um no actually so um kind of the first in my family to graduate from college okay so that was that um we i went to ferris state university which is really a good pharmacy optometry science based school mm -hmm. when they don't really necessarily have pre-med so I just found some of my instructors my organic instructor was kind of my favorite and I said can you help me <laughs> get through this and oh that was um you know yes you have to take the MCAT and um okay when is it it's in four weeks that sort okay, of thing wow. so <laughs> really kind of a rush um but I made it through that and so things are meant to be they work out that sort of thing um and so but going on when I finally got accepted um I went to um, Wayne State University for medicine. Uh -huh. So that's another four years. Um, during that time, I explored different options in medicine because now finally made a decision to become a medical doctor. Now you have to decide what type do you want to be. So I explored family medicine. I really loved dermatology and really went quite far in the dermatology tract. Um, and that ended um, my senior year when I rotated in radiology. So I took this radiology elective as this will be an easy elective. Okay. Um, I've already got all my applications in for Durham. I can just kind of coast through this month. And what happened was I fell in love with radiology because it incorporated all my desires in a job. So I loved to teach. I was actually a student teacher for a year, my senior year. Um, and I loved, you know, science investigating detective work and radiology for to me is just here you are, take a look through the human body and tell us what's wrong. It's a lot of detective work, you know. Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so bring you back to what you. Yes, it incorporated everything. And then um, I had a, a real um, desire to do an academic track when I first started. So I would be teaching residents, I'd be teaching medical students and all through my residency, I was able to do that too. So um, it kind of incorporated everything. So I made this last minute decision. And um, although all my application was for dermatology, called a bunch of the radiology schools and asked, would you accept my application? Um, and was lucky enough to place at Henry Ford Hospital also. Wow, nice. So um, did a five year radiology residency and dove deep into through medicine um you know so biotechnology gave me a complete understanding of the cell and medicine obviously of the body and the disease process um and radiology was really amazing to me because you get an inside look at the body but also you see how the body is affected by disease degeneration injury cancer mm -hmm. and how it's able to repair and regenerate so it was quite um you know this is sort of full circle understanding of the body yeah. and this all plays into how we formed the clinic for rejuvenate um so then we, i went on after my um, five-year radiology residency i did an abdominal imaging and intervention uh, fellowship in boston at beth israel and there um i was honing in on my kind of advanced tech, um, advanced interventional skills so we were doing 
um, cryoablation, RF ablation, and microwave ablation of tumors, which is freezing them, burning them, or microwaving them. Wow. Um, so some really more advanced things that were neat. Um, For something like that, then you would go in and remove it? or No, so these the patients... Yeah, this is really neat. So if they're not a surgical candidate or if they have maybe two liver mets and for quality of life, it would be great to get rid of those. They only have one or two mets and nothing else. Um, so we could just percutaneously, which means through the skin, um, place a probe in there. And then if it's cryoablation, um, you form like a three centimeter ice ball, which kind of just freezes the tumor and it breaks all the cells and makes them die. <laughs> and then all of the the normal tissue around that is okay. You know, you just so have that three centimeters kind of naturally. Yep. And then it goes to this necrotic phase where it kind of liquefies and your body resorbs okay. it. And it just either yeah. forms like a calcification or some sort of little scar there. Okay. Um, but those patients, some of them could go home the same day. Some of them stayed one night in the hospital and went home and had hardly a recovery as compared to surgery. So it was really a neat thing to be able to do. Wow. Um, and then uh, I took a job at, with a radiology group up here in Petoskey and was with that group for nearly six years, actually. Um, and then in 2017, two neat things happened. <laughs> um, I became chief of radiology at McLaren. And the second thing was um, we went through negotiations for a contract <laughs> while I was chief. So what this did is um, opened up my eyes to, so I, you know, the reason that I went to, um, to Boston to finish, which was difficult because my husband and I had three of our children during residency. So we were moving with three young kids and um, in Boston, I was pregnant again. So it was difficult to be away from family and support for that year. Um, I was working like 60 plus hours a week in, in, res or in fellowship. So when I, what I did that for was to have a really strong resume so that we could choose where we wanted to live rather than our career dictating that. Mm. So we wanted to come back to Northern Michigan. That's where I was from. We wanted to raise our kids in this environment. Um, so when we got the termination letter from, you know, the hospital, I just felt that, wow, I put a lot into my career and to not have job stability. I'm here, like I'm panicking, I'm interviewing other places. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was quite rather distraught about that. So that's when um, now you have to rewind because during all of this, my husband and I are lifelong learners. Um, we, before we started to have children, really got on this um, road to being healthy, which takes a long time to actually accomplish in a true sense. So um, we went on this quest to be healthy and we just have done a ton of conferences, podcasts and learning. Um, and in all of that have learned quite a great deal about nutrition um, and health in general, incorporating that with my medical knowledge um, and then my cellular health knowledge on top of that. So um, Along the way, we had a bunch of little kind of home units, which were unique. We had red light therapy, we had PEMF devices, little things. Um, and we were able to get our kids um, all the way up to now, and I don't have any wood to knock on, but up to now without um, kind of any serious hospitalizations or illnesses. They've never had antibiotics. We've, we've been really um, good to their microbiomes. <laughs> yeah. I... And um, then we started using this equipment on our family and friends. And just heard over and over, you and your husband have so much knowledge together, you should open up a clinic and, and let the community into that some of that knowledge, you know. Um, so we heard it so often that when that letter came and we were going through all that turmoil, it was almost an open invitation to give the clinic a try. So 
do we want to stay in this community that we love, in this house that we love, um, and try to see how a clinic would go. So it is a regenerative medicine clinic, which um, not a lot of people know what that means. <laughs> it's yeah. a unique medical clinic. It is not the same as a traditional medical office in, in any sense. Um, so we were wondering how well would the community support this and um, how well will the word get out? <laughs> So we opened part-time um, in September of 17 and did Saturdays. Um, if I was off at the hospital, I was there. And then if, if clients called up and needed me to be there, I would come after work and work some five to sevens uh, until it got a little bit too much to juggle the two jobs. Um, and when, the, when it picked up enough that we felt it would be supportive, we then took the leap. <laughs> so I joined my second career in medicine and uh, repurposed a lot of my radiology training and skills. Um, I love interventional work and I'm still able to do that through the clinic, through stem cell therapy and PRP. Um, and, you know, the rejuvenate, the idea of rejuvenate comes from focusing on cellular health. So mm -hmm. the idea that if your cells are functioning well and healthy, then your tissues, your organs, your systems, sort of your being can be. Um, if you don't get all the way down to that level, it's a lot of Band-Aid techniques that may give you a short-term gain, but aren't going to prevent you from re-injuring that in the future or, you know, really fixing the problem. <laughs> yeah, which I feel like is a lot of standard medical procedures are just all band. I can't say all, but going through that, I don't, I know we're kind of getting the story to, to rejuvenate mm -hmm. and I'm, I want to jump back in at these time points a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but for people that don't know what rejuvenate, um, offers in particular, what are some of the, the technologies that you brought in or what was some of the first ones that you had started with that you were saying that you had worked on at home and okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when we initially started the clinic, what we did is took our favorite tools from home and upgraded to a clinical level mm -hmm. system of those. So um, we have a cold laser therapy is what it used to be called. Now it's called photobiomodulation, which is just a fancy word for using light to change biology, <laughs> photobiomodulation. Um, so we have the laser therapy um, and we have pulse electromagnetic field therapy. Um, and we started with a sound wave therapy device called the medical wave. So each of these you can see are sort of unique devices, but all of them honestly are focusing on repairing like cellular health yeah. and getting down to that cell level and, and working from that ground level up. Um, and then we, can, we were able to do this without side effects. Um, and there are a few kind of contraindications for some of them, but a lot of them, most people are able to go through and, um, you know, get relief like that. For, so um, at the clinic, we don't prescribe any medications. It's a non-pharmaceutical clinic. Um, and, you know, there are sort of three pillars <laughs> that we're, we follow at the clinic and cellular health is a big one. Um, the advanced technologies are sort of an adjunct to get you to your goals faster. Okay. Um, and then education is a big one. I think that uh, if you can tell clients the the what and the how, mm -hmm. <laughs> like this is what it is, this is how it affects you, um, then uh, them actually going through and, and forming that partnership, what we, which we form with all of our, our patients, uh, partnership in health, 
they are much more likely to fulfill their end of that bargain mm -hmm. <laughs> if they have a complete understanding of what you know what does it mean if i take pizza and what is that going to do to my actual body if i'm eating pizza every day mm -hmm. <laughs> that sort of thing so um a big part of it is educating as well and i imagine with your kids like you said they've grown up with this mm -hmm. right? you've, you've taken very good care of their biome and um how how do you explain it to them how do you explain the medical industry to them and what it is that you do um i feel like it just a kind of because from my background i've heard that there are just western medicine it works when you need it but it doesn't necessarily it's more of there's no um prevention you know or it's not preventative medicine it's not it's like okay we're gonna fix this and then we'll see you in a couple of weeks when it keeps happening or we don't get to the root cause and it sounds like you have this foundation in that but then have decided to take it and you have applied it in a completely different way that so i, I wonder how how clients find out about you and then also how you um kind of explain it to you know somebody that knows absolutely nothing about it mm -hmm. okay um clients find out about us by far the best is word of mouth mm -hmm. we've tried a lot of different avenues of advertising and marketing mm -hmm. um and still at least 85 percent of our clients are getting referred by other clients that have okay. been there um so word of mouth for us is a very strong um way of getting the word out and i and i actually just this past two weeks have tried to put myself out of the clinic and decide if another new medical clinic opened up in Petoskey, what would spark my interest about that clinic, right? Mm, yeah. I would just assume this is another medical clinic, another primary care, you know, come here when you've got the flu, that sort of clinic. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, I understand. And when people say, yeah, I, I was told by my neighbor, I was told by my friend at the gym and, and then somebody else. And finally, I'm here. <laughs> I said, that's completely, you know, understandable because most of them need to be told two or three times. They need to hear that, um, you know, that it's worked for me. It's worked for me two or three times before they actually will come in. Right. And I think that is because of our initial concern of how will a community feel about this how will they know about it and you know mm -hmm. will the word get out quick enough to support it <laughs> to keep mm -hmm. it thriving um so definitely by far word of mouth um how it is explained uh really my clients if i sit down in the office with them and i tell them i'm so focused on cellular health and this is why because your tissues your organs your systems your being can be healthy if we can get your cells to function properly they it's almost like a light bulb goes off and they just say that's great like that makes sense to me yeah um so we do we do explain it that way um our mission is sort of to provide the tools necessary for you to repair regenerate thrive and fuel your own mission mm -hmm. so what we want to do is um get a bunch of healthy people out there so and and lance may have mentioned this and he says it quite often is just to get kind of health out of the conversation right. so yeah. we don't have to have the the coffee hour where everybody's complaining about their knees and their backs you know we can move on beyond that and talk about real things um that that would be great for our you know what we would love to do so the explanation comes in um in first just sitting them down and explaining our theory and second when they 
um, come to the clinic and they get the treatments and they're realizing like this isn't something that's going to cause my um, my muscles to ache or my liver to ele you know elevate the enzymes because mm -hmm. of a side effect or I um, whatever there are tons of side effects from medications and and you touched on a good part I think Western medicine is excellent at emergency medicine at surgery and they when you need them they're there that sort mm -hmm. of thing but true preventative care um, is where we need some improvement. Would so. you say that that is a, the main domain of rejuvenate is preventative? Um, would... Yeah, it's a mix it's actually. So most yeah. of the clients who find us are motivated by pain or some other mm -hmm. motivating factor. Yeah. It's very hard to motivate people um, before they feel health decline. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's um, there are a handful of people who are interested in anti-aging um, that may seek us out because of those, you know, that avenue. Uh, but really, it's hard. It, it's so hard to get people motivated for their own health. They would take their dog to the vet before they would take themselves to the clinic. Mm. <laughs> so that there has to be a motivating factor in most people. What would you say to somebody that is saying that they're, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it when it when it comes? Mm -hmm. You know, what would you say to somebody that's like, well, I don't need to worry about it because... Yes. I'm healthy, you know, or something, you know what I mean? Right. Sometimes I would dig deep and see, are you truly healthy? Mm -hmm. Do you get tired at 3 p.m.? Mm -hmm. Do you sleep well? Do you feel brain fog? Do you have difficulty finding a word? Do you have a little bit of stiffness in the morning when you wake right. up? You know, those are early signs of aging. When did those wrinkles appear? <laughs> yeah. You know, aging occurs on the inside before it shows up on the outside. So um, I would just dig a little deep with them. And, you know, that's my dream client would be somebody who's in their kind of 40s, 40s, really, when they just are getting those early signs of aging that are just creeping up because they're going to have a little bit of motivation to say, wow, I don't want to go down that path. Um, or, you know, somebody who's got strong family history of um, arthritis or diabetes or some sort of health problem where they think that they're destined to get this. Um, and that's truly not, you know, we know through epigenetics, you are not destined to your, the, the fate of what your genes tell you. Mm -hmm. um, there's, through environmental factors, you decide if you're going to turn on those genes or if you're going to leave them in a switched off position. So that's really, if you can get, capture people in that kind of early signs of aging phase, you can stop a lot of degeneration and, you know, disease progression really right kind of in its tracks. Mm. That's, yeah, it's incredible. And I, I feel like a lot of it is way over my head. So, and I, I think that the, some of my listeners are probably following along and know everything that you're saying and some are not. And I don't, I think that we can simplify it to a point. That's why I was kind of, you know, how would you explain it to a child or how would you, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of the things that, whether it's um, this might be a funny example, but whether it's like a new song or a new thing that's going on, there's no way that it would come into our existence without us just hearing about it or um, seeing, you know, or having word of mouth, somebody talk about it to us. Mm -hmm. And I, a lot of what I've learned through the last couple months through Blake and through um, talking with you and Lance has exploded my curiosity around what it means to actually be healthy. Cause you can think that just eating a salad is healthy, but if it's not something that benefits your body, it's not healthy, you know, or Lance is talking about avocados and mm -hmm. um, what, what do you feel like are some of the really basic things that you do 
on a day-to-day basis that keep you in an optimum state of health? Okay. Um, so I do practice a morning routine. <laughs> in my morning routine, um, we'll do, uh, and Lance may have covered some of this in his podcast. Not I'm much. not quite sure. Okay. Think, yeah. Okay. So um, he and I will do a breathing technique, which is sort of a meditative breathing Wim Hof. Um, and then following that, we'll do push-ups. Um, so get a little bit of physical exercise. Um, then we'll do um, a nitric oxide um, and BDNF, which is, stands for brain drive neurotropic factor, two-minute exercise. It's a very simple exercise where you do four different movements and you repeat them three to four times. <laughs> okay. So um, it takes two, about two, two and a half minutes and you get like a big release of nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator and a big release of BDNF, which um, is responsible for connecting new nerve tissue. So it's neurogenesis, new nerve t- tissue growth um, and connections in the brain. So we're doing it for brain health. We're doing it for cardiovascular health. What types of exercises? Um, so there's four of them you do. The first one is sort of a squat where you squat and put your arms forward. And then when you stand up, you put your arms down and you only do these as fast as you can. Okay. And you do 10 to 12 reps of that. Then the second one is um, where you just have your arm straight out in front of you. So one arm is straight out and the other one's down and you just alternate those up and down Okay. and um, 10 to 12 of those. And then you do um, non-jumping jumping jacks. So your arms are moving, but your legs are not. So, and you have to, it's important to swing them all the way so that they're hitting kind of at the top and at the bottom. And then the last one I just call yay. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Um, you just start putting your arms up and then pulling them down to about shoulder height, almost like you're doing overhead bench you're press. you're doing these fast. Yes. Okay. Yep. So four or um, 10 to 12 of those. And then you repeat the sequence back to the squats, then the arm alternating, the non-jumping jumping jacks and the yay. Um, and you'll actually feel tingling in your fingers when you finish and you know that you've released nitric oxide. Mm. That's what you, that's the good, I've done it fast enough kind of clue. Um, if you go, I think it's Dr. Zach Bush, if you, or Dr. McCullough, they both have videos on YouTube about how to do this exercise and it's super beneficial. You should do it three or four times throughout the day. So, um, especially when I was in radiology and I had a very sedentary job. Mm-hmm. So, um, I always stood up at my stand-up desk. This is more things that are just adding to how I yeah. do my healthy lifestyle. Um, I always stood up, but even standing, if you're stationary is not great for you either. Mm-hmm. Right. So moving around. Um, so I would head to the bathroom and I would just do my BDNF exercises, wake myself back up. You kind of get a rush of energy at the same time. Um, so the morning routine is those three things. Um, almost every day. <laughs> and then four days a week, um, I do a red light therapy sauna. Um, so it's a um, near infrared sauna, clear light sauna with low EMFs. And um, so get out the toxins and get all the benefits of that. And then um, I will do pulsing PEMF, which we'll probably get into a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Um, I'll do pulsing a few times a week. And then there's a, a very strong antioxidant breathing treatment that I'll do. So I know everybody doesn't have access to those types of things because that's through the clinic, but um, they could as a patient. Right, exactly. <laughs> but the um, there are ways to do, um, to, so our bodies age from inflammation. They, they've coined this term inflammaging now. <laughs> so the chronic inflammation underlies most diseases. And so as much as I can mitigate, and I know, so in our environment, we're always kind of bombarded by a ton of stuff. And if you can drive yourself crazy thinking, avoid this, avoid this. So my theory is I'm going to avoid what I know I can avoid easily. 
And um, then I'm going to fill up my bucket a lot slower <laughs> in a way, because when your bucket's full, you start overflowing, then that's when you're going to get into trouble with degeneration and disease. So um, I do do um, an antioxidant at home and it's a liquid collagen with an antioxidant in it. Um, I don't do a lot of supplements overall. Uh, I, that one, I will take um, colostrum for my gut health because I had a gut permeability issue and about four pages of food allergies <laughs> that I was working okay, through. Wow. Um, so repairing the gut and um, leaky gut is very, very prevalent. So um, a lot of practitioners will say they just assume everybody who walks in their door has leaky gut. It's that prevalent. Um, so the, the gut permeability issue is actually quite fascinating. So I'm going to take a segue quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the gut you need to have tight junctions between the cells. This is like the gatekeeper of, so our mouth is open to the environment. Everything we're putting in is open to the environment and the intestine and that tract is uh, responsible for keeping the environmental pathogens from inside our body to keep mm -hmm. the gates closed. When um, there's a lot of things that can lead to leaky gut, such as chronic constipation, um, alcohol, NSAIDs, if you take just five to seven days in a row of um, over-the-counter non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like Tylenol, Advil, ibuprofen, then you've got leaky gut. Um, and then, um, the, but the biggest culprit I think is probably glyphosate from Roundup. It's in all of our food supplies. Even if you're trying to be very good, non-GMO organic, you're mm -hmm. still getting glyphosate exposure. They just did a big study in California on organic wines, and almost all of them had a at least some amount of glyphosate in them. Wow. Cheerios, a lot of the foods um, like breakfast cereals have a high content of them, and that really makes the gut permeability bad. <laughs> so mm. it breaks those tight junctions. And what happens when the tight junctions break is now you've got an opening, direct opening for viruses or bacteria kind of leak into the bloodstream. But the other thing that happens is there's undigested food or incompletely digested food particles, which can get in, which are called macromolecules, just means big molecules. They're not digested all the way to the amino acid components or whatever. So these macromolecules get in and your body says, what is this? This is recognized as foreign. And what it does when it recognizes foreign, just like a virus, it's going to make antibodies against that foreign material and prepare itself to battle. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a process called molecular mimicry, meaning this little bit of macromolecule is quite similar in appearance to your cartilage. So through that, your own antibodies start attacking your joints and you get rheumatoid arthritis or your okay. own antibodies start attacking your pancreas and you get diabetes or your myelin, which is the insulation of the, the brain cells that allows the signal to go along. And then you get multiple sclerosis. So all of these autoimmune diseases, that's why a lot of clinicians say like this starts in the gut. <laughs> so it's so important to keep those tight junctions. And that's what I do with um, the colostrum. Um, okay. So I have a, just a couple of things that I do daily like that. Um, so colostrum will work to prevent or to revive. help to repair. Okay. And um, it also has a lot of um, amazing beneficial components in it for overall health and um, repair. And so. so for people listening saying, oh, wow, you know, I should get colostrum. What would you say? Is that something that you can safely take or you would recommend talking to? Yeah, it's actually fairly safe overall. Okay. And even people with lactose intolerance, because the way protein is removed is not in colostrum, it's the first milking, um, then they they typically don't even react to the colostrum okay. product. It's a fairly inert kind of thing for it's the human body. less detrimental than taking Tylenol. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes.
Yeah. And um, the, the colostrum, um, liposomal colostrum is the best that's readily absorbed by the body. Um, I get our colostrum for myself in the clinic through um, Sovereign Laboratories. It's a very good lab. Okay. So their, their cattle are, you know, grass-fed, pasture-raised cattle. They aren't fed antibiotics, <laughs> that sort of thing. No growth hormone. So what is the, the what is colostrum then at its core? Um, so it's the first milk. Okay, that's what so, you're saying. It's yeah. the first milk. Then. Yeah. Okay. And um, it, it, it doesn't even look like milk. It's very kind of watery, but it has a ton of... Um, so immunological factors it has antibodies which are very protective it's the first milk that the baby gives to the the or the mother gives to the baby and when a baby is born they don't they don't have an immune system built up right mm -hmm. now so they need this passive immunity it's called from the mother's breast milk to help protect them is there any other source that you could get it from the colostrum yeah or it some has to similar be, it has, has to be, be a mammal okay. interesting yeah just <laughs> yeah. curious yeah Wow, I'm glad you went on that that like side because I feel like there's a lot of those avenues, and I could we could literally go on for all day because I I'm so interested in learning more about this, and I feel like a lot of times it's kind of like I was saying you can think that you're healthy and be eating you know bread or eating things that are inflammatory and um. So yeah, after your morning routine and your supplement, would you call that a supplement? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what are some other things? What types of, um, I guess more, it could be just really general, um, just in terms of food or exercises or just. Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, exercising, I'm just getting back into um, going through all of that training and having our four children in a five-year time span was very difficult on my body <laughs> yeah. um, i had a lot of stress i had you know eight years of sort of chronic fatigue and um it was really hard on my body i didn't realize much like like you say that if you're eating inflammatory foods it's something that's going to sneak up on you you know you don't realize that the pizza you ate for lunch is giving you 3 p.m. brain fog and dump, you know, of energy. Mm -hmm. um, you don't realize that, uh, you know, whatever kind of food intolerance you have, you keep subjecting yourself to is causing this chronic inflammation and eventually your body can't keep up with repair. Mm -hmm. So that's when you're going to degenerate and you're going to get into trouble. Um, so, yeah, after all of that training and stress and <laughs> um, dealing with all of that, um, I did get into trouble. So that's, I had gut permeability issues, the four pages of food allergies. I was allergic to every kind of meat, grapes, papaya, watermelon, cilantro. I mean, it just went on and on. So, um, I, and then, and then I measured my telomeres on top of this. So your telomeres are sort of your cellular age in a way. Um, you have your chronological age and then how old are your cells at their core? Um, and what the telomere is, is the DNA has all the replication material. And at the end of its, um, at the end of the DNA strand, there's a tiny little cap, some very similar to like the shoelace, the hard part of the mm -hmm. shoelace at the end. So imagine that getting shorter every time that we replicate our cells. Um, and then when it, when it's gone, your your chromosome unravels, and you just you're not going to go on. <laughs> Hard to lace it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> can't find, can't replicate that well. Um, so the telomere length, um, they've sort of made that proportional to um, an aging process of the cells. So my telomeres were much older than my chronological or my actual biological mm -hmm. age. 
um, which was a big wake up call for me because I felt okay. You know, I was fatigued. If I, I had mummy brain, I called it brain fog. Uh, I was dealing with these food allergies, but I knew that that's, I had poor sleep and that's such an important, that's when your body repairs and regenerates is when you sleep. Um, and I, on average, would get six hours of broken sleep a night for years and years and years. You were working so, 60 hours a week. Yes, yeah. yes. And it, it was a stressful job, um, all of that. So, um, you know, the telomere thing was a, a kind of a, an awakening for me that I needed to start again going into, um, I just did a deep dive. I said, what, you know, I've, I'm got all these um, potential future health problems. I feel okay still, but this is, this is what kind of why this is my target audience in a way, because I was there. <laughs> I can relate yeah. 100%. Um, so um, stopped eating as many carbs and sugar. Sugar is kind of public enemy number one in my mind. Um, and that's so hard to get off of, but we really did a good job of eliminating a lot of that. Um, I had a serious gluten allergy. I'm not um, celiac disease or anything, but um, when I eat wheat, I had that antibody formation against the product in wheat mm -hmm. and it actually cross-reacted with my cerebellum, which is at my brainstem. And I was having a little bit of balance issues and things like wow. that, um, which I didn't recognize. It crept on me so slowly. Um, but when people would hand me things, they would always say, are you sure you got, you have that before they would let go of that sort of thing. And it was all most likely because of that was happening. And, um, you know, that's something I should never reintroduce in my diet. I can't, I, I don't want to take the chance of that. Um, so diving deep into um, diet and um, kind of eating, upping the vegetables. It really, the more you can, the more you can get away from packaged foods, the better. Mm -hmm. The local farm, even if it's non-organic, if you can't afford organic, a local non-organic product is better than almost an organic product from Mexico that has to come on a truck and, you know, it's going to degrade all the way here. Yeah. So local is best. Susceptible to everything in the environment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then kind of grass-fed meat is, is really important. Um, and, you know, after diet, then um, mindfulness, you know, that's a huge thing. There's uh, a, a lot that I've learned about how the mind affects the biology and it just can't be refuted. And I know a lot of people think this is woo woo, but um, if you dig into kind of the science of it, which is I'm very scientific in all of my methodology from mm -hmm. my research training, <laughs> yeah. the science of it is sort of, it just makes sense, you know, and how our thoughts actually alter our biology. And when you think something, every cell in your body hears that in a way. Um, so getting, mindfulness um i've always been grateful but really cultivating that gratefulness so even on my drive into work you know i was in boston for a year and less than six miles from the hospital and it took me one hour each way no matter what yeah. it was horrible so now i have a half hour commute i love it look how beautiful the trees are the sun mm -hmm. on those um you know snowy trees all of this the the water i just am grateful every day of my surroundings and that helps a lot um, my family, my, my kids, I'm just, I'm a very grateful person. Um, so mindfulness is a thing, diet and exercise. Um, really quick before we mm -hmm. get into exercise, how would you simply break down the science behind gratefulness? Mm, good. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's a little more difficult than simple. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Um, so and no, no pressure. I'm just curious. Yeah. 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 So the, the, when the mind has a thought that sort of, um, 
is an electrical impulse in a way very similar to when you think I want to wiggle my finger, <laughs> you need to send a message out to do that. And when your mind has a thought, your messages are going out. You're not feeling that they are, but they are. Your messages are going out to each of your cells. And um, so the cells may, it, in your thoughts, um, become a physical response. So you, if, if you're thinking that, um, oh, I'm so stressed out, I'm so nervous about that, you're going to start to release some cortisol. You're going to amp up your sort of stress flight or fight, um, you know, sympathetic system. Mm -hmm. And um, that's going to have an effect on your biology because now you're involved hormones and these are hormones are messengers and they, they affect things. Um, so you, if somebody's like a worrywart, they're always anxious, they have high anxiety, they're always in that state of um, kind of chronic fight or flight. They're not getting into the parasympathetic rest, relax, repair, mm. that sort of um, thing. They're just always amped up and that has long-term effects on your body. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love bringing it always back to the cellular level of, so, you know, what is cortisol doing to your cells? I'm cu just curious. Too, yeah, so. cortisol actually does a whole host of things. It's even tied in with your blood sugar control. Mm, okay. So um, it's, it, yeah, it does a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, so getting clear, I'm just for people listening, I feel like it's nice to have steps that, you know, to listen to something and think like, oh, gosh, what do I do now? You mm -hmm. know, or I, I, what am I doing? You know, or maybe people have already you know, figured that out for them, but simple al allergy test. Um, yeah, I like out what they can do. And... Um, so the gut, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's difficult. I, so if somebody comes in my office and um, what they're really dealing with is chronic fatigue, then I might go down a different path. Then somebody comes in my office and they're like, I have um, eczema horrible, or, um, you know, they come in and they've been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. So I would take them down a different path. So everybody yeah, is different and yeah. where they need to start. Right. And I'm very big on kind of small steps, which are digestible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I cannot, like, there are no a lot of intended. times yeah. that I'm looking at this person across from me in consult and thinking I could recommend 15 things for you to do. Yeah. And I know I have to do what, what is the most important thing that they can do to start feeling better start mm -hmm. there and just slowly kind of build on that. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so weaving back into your, your daily, um, exercises and kind of how you, how you keep that healthy relationship with work and being a mother of four children and, um, with, with all the hats that you, what other things do you bring into the picture? Yeah. So, um, I'm not huge on exercising. If I had to recommend it to anybody, it would be, um, you can do a lot with your own body weight resistance, mm -hmm. um, kind of four exercises. If you just did these, you know, four to five days a week, it, and it's yeah. not that long, the push-ups, pull-ups, planks, and squats, mm -hmm. that's going to cover your major muscle groups. Right. And you're really going to get a good workout just doing that. But um, one of the most important things that I guess it's not considered exercise in the formal sense, but moving your body every hour, you know, if you have a sedentary job, set that alarm, make yourself get up every 45 minutes and walk around and stretch your legs. You are preventing yourself from low back pain in the future. When you sit for extended periods of time, you're getting really tight hip flexors, which mm -hmm. are pulling on your lower lumbar spine. And that is setting you up for you know, a, a future of back pain for sure. And, and um, how does exercise help you on a cellular level? 
Why, why is it helping your cells? Yeah, so um, some of it has to do with the nitric oxide, BDNF okay. dumps that you're getting with exercise. Um, there are a lot of studies that say that when you exercise, you release, um, you know, hormones which are responsible for your happiness, <laughs> um, your well, like overall general well-being. And then um, for um, hormone regulation has a lot to do with muscle mass, especially testosterone. Okay. So hormones... Um, exercise overall in 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 conditioning um the so chronic cardio is actually not good for you you put yourself in a chronic state of inflammation or inflammaging mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but bouts of cardio once a week or so are really good for you because you want to keep conditioned um and and that helps with your tone of your your blood vessels and all of that as well, well. how would you define chronic cardio versus <laughs> or it's different per person yeah i don't want to make anybody mad but marathon runners <laughs> chronic cardio <laughs> okay, gotcha. yeah. yeah cool well i know we're kind of all over the place but i just am trying to feel out all the different avenues because there's just like you said there's so many different ways that you could diagnose somebody that comes in and um just wanting to feel leave people feeling empowered the, being able to do something about their health and mm -hmm. also know that there are options and um, you know, there is no earliest age to start doing this, to start learning about it, because your kids are perfect examples of that. Is that one of the main reasons that you decided to home educate was because of just their, um, you know, beyond just education, the food that we, you know, are bringing into the schools and stuff like that? Was that a big decision with that um not so much actually but the home education we really wanted our children to have a strong sense of self that was developed by them <laughs> rather than influenced by classmates and such okay. um and we really wanted them to be able to in a, i guess it's more of a montessori style mm -hmm. explore their interests so cover the basics but you know when they want to learn about history or they want to learn about dinosaurs or pirates, then we can do a real kind of deep dive study of those. Um, and it, it, it makes in learning much more enjoyable for them as well. <laughs> so um, the this sense of self and confidence in who they are is the number one reason why we did it. Um, but we, and it was hard for me. I mean, I'm super indoctrinated in the in the schooling system. I've been in it for more than 14 years, I think, yeah. by the time I finished. Um, so very difficult for me to get out of, you know, these are all your lessons for the day. This is your grading. This is the, you know, mm -hmm. so hard. But uh, I think one of the best things that we could have done for our kids as they're young, when they get older they'll have a chance a choice you know if they're gonna go to mm -hmm. a public school whatever they you know choose to do um we're not going to hold them back from that when they're old enough and mature enough to make it's that part decision. Of the learning process yes right? yeah. <laughs> yeah yep and um you know i'm a product of a very small town public school my husband was schooled in a catholic school system so we both have different backgrounds in schooling um, both of us are successful you know and i think it's not so much the school that you put your child in, but the way that you teach them to learn. Mm. What do you love most about your job currently? The um, patient satisfaction in a way. Uh, when I first started there, I was getting hugs, I was getting thank you letters, and just to have, to see people improving in their health was so empowering for me to keep doing it. Um, 
So radiology was great. And I had some recurrent patients who would come to me for epidural steroid injections and stuff, but it was never the same level of care or interaction. Um, you know, they would just see me, I would give them consent for the procedure, do the procedure and see you later. And I'd see them in three months, six months, whenever it wears off. Um, so it never, it was not nearly the same. Um, what I, I really like is um, also, um, I guess is reciprocity in a way so that when these clients are feeling better, they're telling other people and it's spreading the word. And I'm not saying that my way is best, but I'm saying it works for a lot of people and it's good for a lot of people. And there are people who are going to match with us and there are people who aren't. We're not a clinic that you can come in and get the pill and the quick fix and, and go on your way. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but are you going to feel better after your first visit or your second visit? Yeah. You are, mm -hmm. you just, uh, it, it's a time in medicine, the arrow, whatever it is that people, and maybe the opioid crisis has a big deal to do with that, but people are interested in alternatives for healthcare. They don't just want the pill. They don't want the quick fix. They actually want to fix this so that they know it's not going to be a lifetime of back pain. You know, it's not gonna be a lifetime of dealing with this condition or this condition. I really want to get to the root cause and, and rejuvenate sort of a mixture of, integrative medicine, functional medicine, and cellular health. <laughs> it's kind of its own little uh, segment, I guess, of medicine. Do you think our chronological age will increase if we continue on this path of optimizing? And do you think there's really no end to? I don't know about immortality, but I definitely <laughs> think we can increase it. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. And I have, uh, like I told you that I measured my telomeres. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Um, so I've done all of these health things. Um, and one thing that we didn't talk about, uh, which is the fasting mimicking diet. So after round, you do three rounds of it and I've done two, but after round one, I checked my telomeres because I, I wanted to know, had my lifestyle changes up to this point affected my telomeres and truly kind of reversed my aging process. You can reverse your aging process. That yeah. was a question. Yeah. Of, you can pause it, but you can actually reverse it. So by telomere measurements. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, so I've, I've reversed it. So I was quite a bit older than myself <laughs> in my telomere mm -hmm. age. Um, and now I'm, I'm, I think that within a few years of what I, what I am. So I was decades now I'm years. Wow. So in just that short time. And I, I plan after I do, I've done now two cycles of the fasting mimicking diet. And after I finish my third cycle next month, I want to repeat my telomere length again and see just with that uh, fasting mimicking diet, have I changed it? more rapidly to now, you know, from then to now. Okay. So what is that uh, process of testing your telomeres? Is that? Uh, yeah, that's just a finger prick. They send you a kit at home. Okay. It's like not 79 to $99 through Tilo years, it's called. Okay. And um, you just do a little finger prick and send that sample to them. Okay. I'll link it in the description of the episode if okay. people are interested. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that is yeah. really incredible. Yeah. I felt great. I just got my results this week. Yeah. <laughs> so the fasting mimicking diet, is that over the course of the last couple of years or you've done that? Um, just the last two months. So I've just done one round month. this month and one round last month. It's a three month cycle. So for five days out of the month, you're on the fasting mimicking diet, which is a calorie restriction diet. Um, we use Walter Longo's Prolon products. Mm -hmm. Walter Longo is very... Um, kind of skilled researcher. He's been doing this research on human longevity for a while. Uh, the Prolon fasting mimicking diet is the first sort of um, diet which is uh, patented for human longevity, which is really neat. <laughs> so it's calorie restricted. Restricted. Um, there's a lot of ways you can 
anti-age in a way, or you can improve your longevity. Um, but a lot of them are not comfortable, like water fasting and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. It's hard to do and stick to. So the fasting mimicking diet, which he came up with, is neat in that the stomach sees food, but your cells see fasting. So you're a calorie restriction um, and you're eating things which are okay. I mean, they don't taste horrible. You're eating soups and bars, nut bars, um, olives. That um, And you kind of go day one, you're getting about 1,200 calories. By day three, you're at 800 and you stay there until day five. Okay. And uh, something really neat happens on day three of this diet in that um, you're going through autophagy, which is just programmed cell death and the cells that it's picking to choose to recycle the the components because your cells think they're starving are the ones that are old worn out and senescent mm. so you're getting rid of all your kind of cells which are dragging you down in a way and then um, days four and five you sort of get an energy boost because you get a huge boost in your stem cell production um, and we're talking about hundreds of times more stem cells circulating than you had before you started the diet and those cells are going to go around and do their job, which is repair and regenerate. <laughs> so they're heading around, repairing, regenerating things. You're feeling great. Um, and it's only five days. I'll tell you, at the fifth day, you're ready to eat a normal meal. <laughs> but I thought, you know, for 15 days out of my life, this is so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when, I mean, it's amazing that you offer stem cell therapy. But mm -hmm. It can be a hefty cost for somebody that's interested in having it done. This mm -hmm. sounds like a... In another way that somebody could potentially boost their stem their cells own stem significantly. cells yeah mm -hmm. so let's say somebody's listening to this and then they buy this fasting is there preparation that you had to do to leading up or things no like so well there's it's only sold by clinicians so you have okay. to go through a physician um and then there's there is an is that intake somebody that, something that you guys do we do through rejuvenate nice. yep yep there's an intake because there are some certain exclusions um, if you have active cancer, no, mm -hmm. um, if you have diabetes and both of those things, interestingly, they're developing a kit specifically for, so they believe by the end of this year, 2019, they'll have their cancer kit. Wow. <laughs> so they have a fasting mimicking diet for cancer. And they've done a ton of research that shows with this diet, the cancer cells are more susceptible to chemotherapy and radiation and that the normal cells are protected in a way. So it's okay. amazing for somebody who has to go through that, um, to do that, uh, protection and, and get a better response from their treatment. Um, and, the, and then diabetics, just because you're on restriction, um, they are forming one that's specifically for diabetics and has a little bit more sugar control. Okay. But yeah, it's not, it's, so you get all of the food for that five days and you get a lot of like drink teas, that sort of everything that you need for the five days. Um, if you commit to the three months, it ends up being $225 a week. So how much do you pay in food? It doesn't end up that much more than you're paying to live. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, and you're getting amazing health benefits from it. That's so, incredible. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Um, this is kind of an off-topic question, but um, being in radiology and knowing so much about cellular, um, how does an x-ray affect your cells? Yeah, so x-rays, um, similar to flying, you're going to get DNA damage from them. Flying will also? Yeah. And that's why, I mean, if you have to fly a long flight, it's best to do it at night. My husband and I take red eye flights quite a bit. Really? <laughs> so just less radiation at that time up in the air. Oh, wow. But um, you can, so the same thing with flying or x-rays now we'll talk about. So it does damage your DNA strands. You have internal um, mechanisms which can repair. So there's always these little things that are proofreading your DNA um, whenever it replicates or if it gets damaged. And if there's a 
a base pair mismatch, it'll say, oh, that's not supposed to be here. It'll cut it out and put the right one in and keep going. It's very neat. Mm. Um, but that can't always keep up if you're getting a lot of x-rays, a lot of CTs and flying all the time. Um, so that's when you need to employ some supplements like molecular hydrogen or, um, you know, we've got a very strong breathing treatment at the clinic called the Nano-V, which repairs that it helps to jumpstart that repair mechanism. And, um, you know, those things that you can do to sort of mitigate some of that damage. Okay. What's the radiation during the day? Just from the Yeah, solar. Just from the sun. Mm -hmm. Wow. Just being closer to it, even through the metal. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, because it's, yeah, it's an x-ray. It goes through, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. I would never have thought of that. Interesting. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. We're going on an hour and I know we had talked about PMF. Do you have time to talk yeah. about that really quick? Yeah. Um, for Pulse Electric, Pulse? Electromagnetic. PMF. Yeah. <laughs> Electromagnetic <Electric> frequencies. <laughs> and I, I mean, if people want to learn more about any of these specific things, I'll put links to them and links to the, to rejuvenate. So definitely reach out to Lisa if you have questions. Um, but for the for the mat, I'm curious. How would you describe what what a PEMF what mat is doing, and and what are the benefits of of doing it? Okay, so um, PEMF has been around for a long time. It was first FDA approved in 1979 for bone healing, and um, it's been used you know, quite a bit in Europe and just starting to infiltrate the United States. <laughs> um, but in the United States, NASA has done a, a large amount of research on PEMF, and that's where I've researched it quite a bit through NASA. Um, and the reason is that when their astronauts go into space, they get um, lack of gravity, you get muscle wasting and bone mineral density loss fairly rapidly. So they pulse in space to help mitigate both of those things. So mm. that's something it's good for is bone mineral density. Um, and I'll get back to the benefits, but I wanted to give a, a little bit of credibility first. Yeah. So major sports teams, Olympics, Tony Robbins, all of these people are using PEMF because of the, all the amazing benefits of it. And how it works, uh, if you think of each of our cells like a cell phone battery. So the cell needs to have a charge across the membrane, and it uses that charge to be able to carry out its intracellular functions in a way. That's called a membrane potential. And that membrane potential has to measure measure up to a certain level. Um, and if it falls below that level, then the cell cannot keep up with all of those repair mechanisms we were talking about, replication and all of the things it needs to do. So that's degeneration and disease can start to um, set in because the cell can't keep up. So what the pulse electromagnetic fields are doing, um, so at Rejuvenate, we use the pulse pro, session, or pulse pour, pro um, machine. And inside of each of the treatment mats, there's a coil and electricity is going to flow through that coil. There's going to be no electricity coming out. It's not like a TENS unit, if some people know about that. But what does happen when you coil electricity is that you create a magnetic field perpendicular to the coiled electricity. So a magnetic field is pulsing through your body and that field is responsible for recharging the cellular membrane. So the cellular membrane, how does it get uncharged <laughs> as we age? That happens naturally, just like our cell phones as they age. You have to plug them in at 4 p.m. instead right. of them lasting all day. So that happens naturally as we age. But if you put on top of that any degeneration or illness or disease, it, it's gonna um, or injury even, it's going to use up that membrane potential in a quicker fashion. Mm. So those cells are really kind of struggling to keep up. And what they're able to do then is... Um, 
may well what they do do then is make less energy for each cell so they're less atp um, and when you can recharge the cell membrane you can then carry out all those intracellular processes but it also anytime that you send an electric or a magnetic field through a cell you induce um, electroporation which is just a fancy word for making the cell membrane more porous Okay. So that water and nutrients can come into the cell easier and toxins actually come out. So you do detoxify mm. a tiny bit with each session that you're doing. And then um, when you charge the cell membrane correctly, um, this gets into a little bit of the negative EMFs um, fields. So negative EMFs are from our cell phones, our laptops, those sort of things. Um, and if you use your laptop for just eight minutes and you do take a little blood sample and look under the microscope, your red blood cells actually become very sticky to each other. And it messes with the, the, the membrane, like the membrane charge. So they stick together and they form these stack of coin formations or relo formations, they're called. And you can imagine if somebody has say peripheral vascular disease where they've got already placking and narrowing that it's harder for that blood flow to go through this um, or coronary artery disease. So if then if you do the same thing and you put somebody on a PEMF mat and then for eight minutes, take their blood and look under the microscope, those cells are going to be nicely spread out and flowing freely. So it really improves circulation. Um, the so, same thing. Go ahead. So somebody has their cell phone in their pocket, similar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm similar thing yeah that's, that's why daily right? yes you get one of these what is that <laughs> this is um a safe shield so it like kind of shields any emf coming out so even wow, okay. most of the time it's good to use your phone on speaker but you can't always for privacy so this completely blocks any emf coming towards your head if you have to talk on your phone you can talk right through it really? so that's yeah really cool and that just comes out magnets in so you can take it out take pictures or whatever you need to do so wow. Safe shield, and they do um, make a tray kind of that goes underneath of your laptops too, especially if you're using them on your laps, especially okay. for females, because you only get one set of eggs. <laughs> wow. You're going to expose them to PE or to bad EMFs um, continuously when you're doing all this laptop work. That's scary because I mean I've I've burned holes through my pocket just having my phone in my really in my in my pocket because I'm walking around all the time and I just have my phone on. So if you have to carry your phone, not that I have to, but um, does airplane mode help with that? Yes. Yeah. Does? That'll turn off that transmission. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's, I mean, something to be aware of. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. And so other than, I mean, in Northern Michigan, we're still inundated by them, but not as much as an in inner city. What other things are, would you recommend to be aware of? Or For the bad EMFs? Yeah. Just. Yeah. Um, so what, you know, Wi-Fi in your own house use it during the day but um we have a switch at night that's next to our bed that we can just hit and all the wi-fi in the whole house goes down so nobody's kind of exposed to that overnight mm. as we're sleeping there's no reason for it to be on people all the time will like just use their cell phone right into the end of bed and then they'll set it down and it'll stay on transmitting right by their head on the nightstand all night make sure that your cell phone's in airplane mode overnight that's mm. a big one um and you don't get those protectors this these um Safe, safe sleeves. Right? Okay. Yeah. Safe. Is that what it's called? Safe, safe sleeve? sleeve. There's one called Defender Shield, I think is another okay. company. There's probably more than that. I don't so, know. <laughs> that sticky blood that you're talking about, is that something that then just eventually dissipates? But if you continue to just keep using something like. No, you're you just going to keep your sticky just, blood cells. <laughs> that's so amazing. Wow. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's in it's invisible to us, you know. And that's why I think so many people. And then I think of people that are just like, well, prove it. But you can prove it. It's you know you're. Yeah, you could easily prove it with just yeah. a drop of blood in a microscope. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean these. We can go a whole another hour episode about yes. cell phones. Yeah, we'll definitely have another future <laughs> episode. But so the PEMF, they counteract what we have encountered with the EMFs, mm -hmm. and then also um, beyond dissipating them, are they restructuring them in a, any specific way, or it's just no, not so much. Okay, no, nope. just... you can get um, devices like the one called a wave rider, which you can put in your house, which sort of neutralizes some of those bad EMFs. Um, there are some devices which do it, do you especially think... if you have a smart meter. Those are like the worst. You got to put it into a little Faraday cage or if it's by your bedroom, maybe, yeah, block it somehow. What is that? <laughs> uh, smart meter. What the smart that? meters that um, they no longer have to have somebody come out to your house to read your electric meter. These oh, smart really? meters are communicating all the time. Your um, do you electrical install that or do people the smart meter um, you would just get it installed they just come when you're not home and replace the old ones it's happened it's probably already happened throughout this city okay it's, it's a couple of years ago is when they tried to install ours <laughs> gotcha. yeah you said no yeah. <laughs> yeah so we pay an extra fee now and we have to pay okay. for the guy to come out and read our meter but that's so worth it for us it's, yeah well yeah. do you think it's because people we haven't seen the long-term side effects because mm -hmm. these are just on right on the scene phones, iPads. Yes, computers. and everybody just wants faster. So when when they're selling the idea of 5G, which is already in LA and other big cities, yeah. they're saying, well, you're going to have almost instantaneous downloads. You know, It's almost instantaneous how fast 5G is. But 5G is, um, it cannot travel as far as 2G. So you need a lot more transformers. You're going to have a lot more bad <laughs> EMFs yeah. from that. Um, and then the, all of the studies on 2G that just came out say like this is causing cancer in animals, you know. Um, if you look into smart meters, the same kind of bad EMFs, um, you can see, you know, there are pictures of smart meters where the the bush that's next to it at somebody's house outside in their, their shrubbery is now dead anywhere in like a certain radius of that that EMF meter. Whoa. And yeah, they just, they transmit, especially if you have one of the hubs, which all the other ones communicate to, and it's sending out the signal. It's a very mm -hmm. even stronger signal then. And that's just because the plants cannot just handle that amount of... They're sensitive, like yeah. frogs, dragonflies, all very sensitive to EMFs. Mm -hmm. um, and then if, you know, there's, there's one clinician, um, Dr. Jack Cruz, He's a neurosurgeon and he's really um, up to date on 5G and the potential health effects of that. And um, he's got sort of at his house uh, moss that grows on trees and he knows that the moss will get out of control if 5G comes to his area because wow, the moss is going to yeah. thrive. So there's some things that thrive and some things that get killed from it, but very, um, very detrimental to our health. And so we know that it makes, you know, that the, our blood react. Why does it? Did you explain that? Um, so the the negative EMFs, um, you know, I it it messes with the charge on the cellular membrane. Okay. Um, it disrupts the calcium magnesium pumps. Um, it's it's kind of probably a little technical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it it affects you on a cellular level for sure. Okay. Well, 
definitely going to be turning off my Wi-Fi and making some strides because I feel like I've heard that, you know, and that's another big thing with even Bluetooth headphones. Everybody's yeah. got them, but then you've got two EMFs in your ears blasting through your Yes. I yes. mean, they're so convenient, but there's definitely, I think, you don't want to find out further down the line, you know, just because it's convenient doesn't mean that it's... Um, and that you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not affecting you. So yes, and I think that when when I was a neurosurgery researcher and I was visiting the clinicals, like I told you, um, there were three young girls that were in their thirties that all had brain tumors and they grew up on the same street. And to me, that opened my eyes to whoa, there's something environmental. I don't know what it was. I don't know if they ever found a cell tower or whatever was on that street. But to me, then I I instantaneously knew there could not be three girls who grew up at the same time on this one street and all developed brain tumors for no reason. You know, this yeah. is not coincidence now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that kind of sparked my interest in environmental factors a lot too. And just being very careful about what you can't see. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know we've been all over the place, but I'm just really grateful to get your story out to Petoskey and for people that have never been to rejuvenate, what would be, um, do you have any calls to action or things you'd like to leave us with people that are interested, but maybe waiting for the other two people to come tell them about it? <laughs> I'll be one of them. <laughs> no, I think, um, you know, if, if you're interesting, interested in really taking control of your health, um, if you've got a, a chronic problem and you're unhappy with the outcome thus far and all the avenues you've tried, um, or if you just um, really would love to avoid surgery or any additional medications, um, that's when you would think of, of giving us a try at Rejuvenate. Um, and I think, I mean, there's a whole host of things that, that we do through the clinic and there's almost always something that we are able to help with um, through the advanced technologies or um, just really honing, honing in on your overall health and, and controlling inflammation and working at the cellular level. Are you one of a kind or are there other places like um, So as far as I know, I think so. There's similar, there is a similar um, clinic which has now opened up in California. Okay. Um, so along the same lines, they have a lot of the advanced technologies. And um, recently, I think within the last month or so, they started to offer also stem cell therapy. So that one's probably the closest that I've found. In, so from Michigan, that's California is the closest that, that is, I've discovered there might be discovered. some there but yeah be, but that's yeah. I mean they're far and few between currently. yeah well it's really kind of a joint venture of my husband's um my husband's and my educational experience which we have such a vast difference in our background yeah <laughs> um so put all of that together and sort of build this what we call a, a treasure chest of advanced technologies and um just bottled up all of this clinical knowledge and in medicine and cells and you know all of this that we've put together um to really offer a unique approach to healthcare and a true preventative way of dealing with things um you know even if you're not at you preventing disease level <laughs> preventing future de degradation mm -hmm. we're definitely gonna have to have another podcast at some point because i'm i want to talk more about the future of rejuvenate and as it grows and so people can look forward to that next episode eventually so, great thank you so much lisa yeah thank you Stalin. 
Thanks for listening to the show today. If you'd like to connect with Lisa or set up an appointment at Rejuvenate, be sure to check out all the links in the show notes of this episode. I've also linked to the PEMF resources where you can search for specific conditions or browse PEMF studies. I've also linked where you can learn more about colostrum, which is the supplement that we mentioned earlier in the episode, and another link where you can watch Dr. Zach Bush's four-minute workout on YouTube and find out where you can also send your telomeres to get them tested and find out your age. The Saul Good Media Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. So if you enjoyed what you heard today and would like to support future content, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Media. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Media, And find out how you can support this show for as little as a dollar a month. You've been listening to the Saul Good Media Podcast. I'm Solomon Harvey. Have a Saul Good Week. Peace. Small